put a post-it over your webcam? Well, I haven't yet. I need to, though. Are you going to put goo in the microphone? No. Uh, so I'm just going to do this to listen. No, yeah, I want it to listen. And, every, you know, when I get out of the shower and I do some Googling, I intentionally take it off because, like, I want them to get those show photos. Yeah. Like, I think I look really good when I'm fresh out the shower. Yeah. I think it. I think the sound of you jacking is better than watching right. you do it anyway. They, so. Then they can just imagine yeah. whatever they want. It's, yeah. it's more of, you know, the mystery is more <laughs> exciting than the reality. The mark in my head is definitely hotter. Yeah, <laughs> than the one you see before you. I get yeah. that. I get that. Cortana's like, do you need help, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Um, it's been 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna cut this off. That, Hello, that's amazing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Too Much Free Time podcast. I'm your host, Mark Burris. With me, as always, is Peter Blankenship and John Girdler. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're continuing our look with superhero summer with my pick, and I picked The Dark Knight, which is my love it pick because I truly do love this movie. Controversial choice. <laughs> I want to get the I love this movie out of the way though. Because I'm probably going to rail on a lot of stuff as the diehard Batman fan that I am. But it's because you love it. Yes. It's from love. Yeah. It hurts you more than it hurts it. Yes. And, well, it's it's an interesting, much like Harvey Dent in this movie, I'm of two faces about this movie. Because the comic book side of me is very frustrated with a lot of the choices of this, you know, that Christopher Nolan makes. But the movie-loving side of me understands that this is a great movie and just a great story arc. It's really well done plot. It's very well acted. Like I love the movie aspect of it just as much. So it's, you know, it's a little love and hate. Uh, I definitely saw this. This was, I think this was my first midnight showing where I could drive to the midnight showing by myself. And like my mom wrote me a note being like, if you're pulled over on oh, the yeah, way back, curfew. yeah, I've g- I gave my son permission to do this. So that's kind of fun to think back on. I was there. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, we it there. was everybody. Yeah. How did we get tickets for the same theater that night? Did we buy them all like together? That's crazy. This is one of the first movies I remember seeing the trailer for and being like super excited about yeah. it coming out. Like the, just the trailer made it look incredible, I thought. I just remember the the main sell of the trailer was they showed a, a little bit of Heath Ledger. They showed kind of... Like they did that long, I want to call it a violin string thing of the like, yeah, like throughout the trailer. And it was like this build up. And the last part of the trailer was the Joker doing the like, come on, I want you to hit me. I want you to hit me. And then it was the truck flipping over it. Oh, man. Yes. This came out in the summer and it was the week of soccer camp. And uh, like that Thursday night, because we had soccer camp Friday morning, it was like, we're all going to be so tired because we're going to be up at midnight. <laughs> and we were. <laughs> I also just remember this movie was supposed to come out earlier, but before release, Heath Ledger died. And so out of like respect for the family, they pushed it back a little while. I, I remember that just that made the trailers and stuff and just watching the movie 10 times more just like impactful of you were watching someone who's now gone play this incredible role. I don't know. It was it was crazy. And the rumors that like him playing the role could have played into like a mental illness oh, it, like, oh, aspect. It, I don't know if that's true, but there were, I remember that being a rumor when that happened. Yeah. Not to go like too much into it. The most I've read about the subject, it's 
it's kind of like that messed with him, but it was more so he intentionally made his sleep habits weird. Like he did it to himself to kind of get in a weird state. And then the recovery from it is I think what did him in. Cause I think he just got a little too laissez faire with his medication and stuff like that. And I, I still don't think they ever made a decision if it was accidental or intentional overdose, but you know, that was just a sad, sad thing all around. Made the movie crazy, and I, I. This sounds bad, but I definitely, if Heath Ledger had lived, I don't think he would have gotten the Oscar for it. I feel like that's a controversial thing to say, but it's just like I think he did incredible and deserved the nomination. But I just think a lot of what played into him ultimately getting the award was the fact that he passed away, and that kind of what you were just talking about—that kind of mystery about, you know, maybe him dedicating so much to that role is what led to his death. So, did you see this at midnight though, John? Um, I don't think I saw it at midnight, but I remember seeing it probably five times in the theater, which is rare for me. I'm not somebody who usually does that, but yeah, I saw um, this a couple times. It's incredible. It's a, it's a, it's one of those movies that it's hard to see a lot in theaters too. Oh, I say hard, but it's like, you're really making a decision because it's two and a half hours. Yeah. And there's really only a few parts that I feel like feel like it's two and a half hours. Especially towards the end, there's a couple slowdown moments, like when uh, Christian Bale's talking to uh, Morgan Freeman in front of the computer system. That whole conversation about like, you know, I'll help you this time, but I'm gonna fire. Like, that's a little bit slower pace in, in the sense of like the movie's supposed to be wrapping up at this point, but it still had like 20 minutes left from that. This movie, though, like I just feel like it made such a big impact because there was also the the shooting that happened in oh, that was, Colorado. That was uh, Rises. That's oh, was that was for okay. Rising? Okay. Yeah. Well, the trilogy made yeah. an impact then. Well, it's it's weird because like in that vein, I feel like <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting actually. I feel like the this one, I feel like Dark Knight changed my perspective on like how fun a midnight showing could be because like the midnight showing of this movie was so incredible. Like everyone was excited and like you know it was like an, a really lively audience in a good way. And then I feel like Midnight Showing pretty much died after Dark Knight Rises. No, it didn't. Yeah. Because the, the like, official Midnight. Yeah. Because those aren't, there really aren't Midnight releases anymore. If movies coming out, like if a movie comes out Friday, the earliest show you can get on a Thursday night is like 7 30 now. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they'll do even earlier if it's like a Star Wars. The thing. latest is like 10, 10 30. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting what an impact these had. Uh, getting into the movie though, it's a really bold strategy to really, this movie has two openings. Like it feels like they filmed two openings and they couldn't decide what they wanted to do. And they were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just do both of them. Cause you have the opening with the Joker and the whole heist, which is awesome, which is great. Loved it. It might be my favorite part of the movie. It's, it's so well done and just how it's filmed. Like, the fact that you never, you, the whole mask, it doesn't just focus on Heath Ledger. It's just kind of free-flowing and you're just watching this heist. It was a perfect setup. But I also would say the Batman intro that we get right after that is probably the most Batman part of the whole movie. And I mean in the sense of, like, core character, just, like, what Batman's supposed to be. So I can understand why they just did both back to back because you meet the villain and you meet our hero just at where they are, where they the are, moments, what they're yeah. like. It's it's a very interesting strategy because I feel like most of the time 
when I watch a movie and there's like four intros, like Suicide Squad is a great example of a movie that never starts. It has like 17 intros. And it's over. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to... Like, you get through the intros and then you're fighting the big bad. You're like, oh, okay. As opposed to, I feel like the first intro, in this one, the first intro, you're just like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. And then the next intro with Christian Bale and, you know, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> it just takes it up to ooh. the next level. I will say, I... I do not like the, I don't even know what to call them, the copycats. I didn't really yeah, like yeah. that. It was goofy. It, yeah, it felt goofy. And I don't know. Is it, that in the comics at all? Well, him, like, it's kind of the Christopher Nolan interpretation. They try to do a thing where Batman's supposed to inspire people is like his as is his focus. And it kind of is. Not necessarily. His whole thing, especially in like comics that are based around when he's like first starting, is he just wants to criminals to fear him. He doesn't really care about whether or not the public likes him. It's all about I want criminals to be afraid to go out at night. I want them to when they hesitate to do something illegal, it's because they're afraid of me. Like that's kind of the mindset, which like you know interpretations are fine and everything, but I, I feel like it was weird that Christopher Nolan went for that angle of like, he it, almost this hopeful Bruce Wayne. I think that's what kind of bugged me about this one and rises is to a degree. It made it seem like he was like a hopeful Bruce Wayne, which I feel like is the opposite of the character. I know, which is a very cynical Bruce. Yeah. Wayne. He's like, no one is going to clean up the streets. I have to do it. Yeah. And then this one is like, people in Gotham are good. Which, like, I want to I want to dive into this point, actually. The, the main plot for Bruce, like the main story arc, is he sees Harvey Dent as his way out. As I can fix Gotham, pass the torch onto Harvey as a public figure who's going to clean up the streets, and I'll have saved Gotham. I don't have to be Batman anymore. Which is an interesting arc to take. My problem is it's it's just so counterintuitive to the core character of Batman. And I think it's more prevalent where like I hate to skip to the end on it, but like one of the my chief complaints with this movie is the ending. Like and I mean the very 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 end, like the last 5 minutes. Like first off, he kills Harvey Dent. Anyone that watches the movie you can make all the arguments you want. He doesn't make an attempt to save him. He tackles him off the building, and then they both fall. Harvey dies. So he kills Harvey Dent. Body count. Two-Face was short-lived. Very short-lived. But it's the moment when they're standing over him, and it's Batman says, we can't let the Joker win. I killed those people. And it does the whole, you know, I'm whoever Gotham needs me to be. Now, this is one of the divides I was talking about where, like, comic book lover Mark versus movie lover Mark. Within the context of this movie, I get that ending. That's how the ending should work with what the arc of the movie is supposed to be. The whole, you know, you either die a hero or live to see yourself become the villain. Like, it all flows together. My problem is Batman would never do that. In my opinion, in the from the comic book version of Batman which I understand this isn't it, but the conversation would have been, you know, we lost. 
the Joker won, but we can't give up. You know what I mean? It would have been Gordon and Batman talking about, you're right, all those people are going to be released. We're going to have chaos in the streets again, but we can't give up. And it should have been an arc because, like I said, you know, Bruce is this whole arc of, like, I can stop being Batman. Harvey Dent's going to take over. It should be Bruce accepting, I'm always going to be Batman. I always have to be Batman. And it's Gordon and Batman going off together being like, I guess we're going to have to continue trying to save the city. We failed this time, but we can't give up. And that's still an inspiring message. Not as inspiring, though. I feel like the way the movie did end, it's like Batman recognizing the greater good almost. Kind of sacrificing his own reputation, but it's, but it's see. It, my problem is it's not about reputation. It's the fact that they're gonna lie. It's they're gonna build up a piece on a lie, which I are I will agree is a very interesting point to build off of, and like it made me super excited for, you know, Dark Knight Rises because I thought that was what the repercussions of that movie were gonna be about was the fact that they built a piece off of a lie. But, you know, that's not about this movie, and I'm going to pick that as my hate-it movie, and I'll get into my gripes with that once we get to that movie. But I just feel like I feel like this is a problem with a lot of the DC interpretations of, or the, I should say the movie's interpretations of DC characters, is I feel like all these directors, and I'm talking about Scott, Scott Snyder, or not Scott Snyder, Zack Snyder as well, is I feel like they, re, they Google you know, top Batman comics and they see, Oh, long Halloween, dark Knight returns, you know, year ones, things like that. They ignore killing joke. Yeah. They ignore killing joke. And then they're like, they read those and go, Oh, I understand Batman. And that's not, that's not it. They just like end up taking key moments from those comics and putting them in the movies, which is cool. But if you don't understand the character, then you're just paying a little bit of nerd service and then doing your own thing, which I don't know. It can, it can be confusing. And I'm not saying that Christopher Nolan did a terrible job with his yeah, interpretation. This is your love it pick. Oh yeah. This is my love it pick. I, I'm going to keep emphasizing it. Like so much of this movie is done so well and so awesome. And there's a lot of amazing, just Batman moments. Like when he's interrogating the, um, the like mob boss guy off the Maroni. Yeah. Maroni off the um, like, I don't know, what is fire escape thing? And it's the whole, like from one professional to another, you need to pick a better spot. I'm not going to die from this height. And he's just like, I'm counting on it and drops him. <laughs> yeah. Like that's awesome. That's Batman. Like, all right. I love it. But it's just that ending. It's the last five minutes of this movie. Just, Oh, they piss me off. And it's weird. Cause even when he says stuff like that, you know, he's a little cruel. And then he's also trying to be like hands. He wants to get hands off of Gotham. He's hardly really been helping Gotham at this point. It's not like he's old and tired. It's just like, oh, he's getting cut up and doesn't want to get cut up anymore. Or it's more of a like he just he wants he I think he like tries to think of a life after it, which he'd never thought of before. He wants Rachel, right? Because he's yeah. like, you promised that if I hung up the cleat, so to say. Yeah. We'd be together. Well, that's a good point, too, because that whole thing and that whole arc feels kind of weird coming off of Batman Begins. Yeah. Because Batman Begins, he doesn't give any hint that this is a temporary thing. Exactly. Like, his whole life had been leading to this. And so, it, 
I don't know. That's just like a gripe, kind of just with the Bruce Wayne arc itself. I, I think without Heath Ledger being the Joker and being so good, because I don't think Aaron Eckhart was really that good. I thought he did Harvey. good. It was fine. But like the scenes with just him alone, like I, it, he's like, I'm just really good and I really care for Gotham. And then he gets burned up. He's like, I just, he lost why, why even drive? Blah. Yeah, that was a little much for Pete. Uh, <laughs> Pete didn't like that. And I, I'm for serious. Like even if Heath Ledger had lived and you know didn't die, I still think the movie would be nothing Without, With, without him. Heath Ledger? Yeah, because like, he was the most interesting part by far. Every scene oh. he was in was really good. Like, I, without, I, without Heath Ledger, it would have been bad to Pete. I, I will say, though, and to counter that, I think before my five-minute ending gripe, when they're in the building that Rachel blew up in, and it's Gordon, uh, Batman, Gordon's family, and Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent, that whole standoff is great. I love every moment of dialogue. I love the tension in it. I love that it's not just Batman sneaks up behind him, takes him out. It's like Batman trying to plead with him first, and they're like trying to salvage something. Because, you know, like I brought up the Halloween or Long Halloween. So that was obviously the, you know, the core story they tried to reference because in that is the dynamic of Gordon. Batman and Harvey Dent and the friendship between the three of them and them trying to stop, you know, the mob and all that. And so it, it really did feel accurate and strong to that moment. And I just really enjoyed it. I just it. don't like that Harvey Dent stands for something so much bigger than just a person. And then he completely sh- is shattered when Rachel dies. Yeah. I actually kind of wish we had had Keaton on. Cause I'd like to ask the legal implications of they constantly in the movie reference <laughs> that if Harvey Dent does anything wrong, all the criminals are going to be back on the streets. I don't quite get that logic. I don't think there is logic to that. It's And also, Batman Begins ends, you know, with, like, the asylum and everyone's out there. And I was pretty excited after that movie. It's like, oh, so that's how they're going to introduce all these random, like, yeah. bad guys. And they don't. I definitely thought that that, that was where the sequel was going to go, was Batman capturing people that escape from because we knew the joker was coming because that was the end of the credits you know it's like and he gives his calling card you're like mm-hmm. the joker oh my god but then like all the villains are supposed to be out there now and they still don't really come they didn't come back around they're well, just like oh pesky arkham <laughs> I mean, maroney is kind of one of those batman villains right that's oh, not yeah. i'm not saying he's an arkham but that would have taken away from the joker i feel like too if and he was kind of the spotlight of this movie set the that's tone true. for it being really dark and i feel like if all those jailbirds were just out him tracking him down it would have been a little goofier but like you could have done more even with scarecrow like at this point he's just kind of broken he yeah, had his movie well that's my well see my complaint with um batman begins is they it's almost the similar gripe i have with rises and but in batman begins they you know relegate scarecrow who is a legitimate villain and yeah. is actually a great foil for batman in terms of their styles because batman's trying to inspire fear and so is the scarecrow so it's an interesting it's to what end yeah it's an interesting conflict between them but in begins scarecrow kind of gets resigned to i'm just helping raza ghoul for a little bit and he doesn't really get like i i feel like scarecrow on his own can have his own movie and be the big bad like I mean, same himself. thing. I mean, yeah, and with Rises, we, it's Bane. It's Bane. <laughs> yeah. But he's actually a lapdog. Yeah. It's interesting. I There's a lot of cool... You know, I've been talking a lot about interpretations. There's a lot of really cool comic book 
moment interpretations that I really appreciate from Christopher Nolan. So like in the beginning when we're first introduced to Harvey Dent and it's the courtroom scene, we're also reintroduced to Rachel because now she's a new actress. Yeah, wait, Which, Katie Holmes? It's just funny because they use the name Rachel probably 10 times within her being on the screen but oh, just yeah. to make sure you're like, okay, this is Rachel. Like, yeah. Rachel, come Well, here. to be Rachel. honest, I'm happy because I would have been so lost. Just like, yeah. what? Maggie Gyllenhaal's in this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, that scene where he's uh, cross-examining that guy and uh, just like permission to treat the witness as hostile and he's like, I'll show you hostile and pulls out a gun. I remember being in the theater being like, this is the moment because in the comics, that's how Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. He's cross-examining a guy and when he turns hostile witness or whatever, the guy doesn't have a gun, throws acid on him to yeah. like try to kill him. That's Maybe. in the um, Batman Forever. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to they say do that. that. Maybe it's oh a my gosh, I forgot that is it's Tommy Lee Jones. Maybe that was a nod to that, like a fake out to the audience. Well, I took it as a fake out. I bit it. I was like, wow, they're going to turn him into Two-Face so this early. early. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're like 10 minutes into this. <laughs> but uh, I like that scene. Punches him out. If you're going to kill a politician, I suggest you buy American. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I loved it. I loved it. In today's it. America, that would still land. Oh, yeah, it would. <laughs> Did you guys know this was the 10-year anniversary this, like, a few days ago? I saw that. That's really, really well timing on our part. Totally <laughs> intentional. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about the voice, because I feel like that's on all of our minds. Let's talk about the Batman voice. Yeah. I read it. Can he be trusted? You're so <laughs> good at that. It reminds me of Jack from Lost, like how he just always sounds exhausted yeah. when he's talking. That's true. Batman legitimately sounds, I mean, to give him credit, he has to sneak in like a ninja to every room. But whenever he's like <laughs> has to sneak in, he is exhausted. He's like, lightly irradiated pills. He's just small time. What's more important? One man. I didn't die. <laughs> what's, what's what's it called when oh Bruce he, he has to plank all the time he's planking off screen so he's just exhausted from having to like keep his abs and all that stuff tight oh he's yeah straight so he doesn't fall down and then when you finally see him on screen he's catching his breath so I heard okay so because in Batman Begins he does the voice at certain parts but not the whole time and it's not as uh, it's not as aggressive except yeah. for the swear to me the swear to me which is great oh it works then though <laughs> I swear to God I just. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, I don't know how true this is. I heard that it was when they were filming Dark Knight, Christian Bale was like, I think we should do the same thing. It should be when I'm interrogating someone, I should do the voice and really like whatever. But when I'm just talking to somebody like Gordon, it should just be a low key whisper. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan was the one that was like, no, no, no. We got to figure out a way to really hide who you are. Let's just do the voice. Okay. And so they like they did it, and it was really not that bad in this one. The, it gets bad and rises, just, especially towards the end. The, Where's the trigger? <laughs> you wouldn't care to a normal strategy. But like, as far as disguising who you are, even just doing a whisper, because whispers, we can all sound pretty much the same if we're like whispering. Yeah. But the thing is, I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and all you have to put on is a jacket and a hat. Yeah, we saw that. You just do a trench coat and a hat and people get really confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bruce is overdoing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd... if you're Gordon and you're being whisper yelled at, you're going to be a little off put. I thought we had a better relationship, Batman. I'm sorry. What did I do? <laughs> I I thought it it kind of takes away from, like it almost makes it again goofy. I, oh, I don't really like it. But see, the problem is it takes away from it 
in random scenes. So like when he's interrogating Mahoney on the the fire escape, it works That's because true. it's an intimidating yeah, yeah. like I'm gonna beat the shit out of you moment. But the end. But at the, the end, uh, the Joker. Yeah, the Joker win. Yeah. <laughs> or even when he's talking to the Joker, the people of Gotham. <laughs> You're garbage. <laughs> it's all, like that was really bad, and it took a lot of the punch out just because he's being his little raspy self. Yeah, it's it's hit or miss in that interrogation scene because when he when he ramps up and really starts interrogating the Joker in the interrogation scene, it's fine. But that's the whole point. That's why it worked. Yeah. In the Batman Begins. Oh, I love when he appears at like the lights oh, go yeah. and he slams. Him. I love uh, he's like, oh, it's like, <laughs> incredible. I I like the setup for it too of just the Joker being like the good cop, bad cop team, <laughs> and Gordon just being like, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just close the door, lights on, boom. And, and that's so. That's also a thing that's a terrible cliche joke. I'm just harping on why Heath Ledger was so good because like he's doing all this stuff like. Everyone was doing a Heath Ledger impersonation coming out of that movie. Not me, of course. Not you. You had too much respect. Yeah, for no. Yourself. The uh, <laughs> the the people they're like, oh my god, that was like my favorite movie, and they were all who was Joker for Halloween. Everybody, yeah, trying to do his voice. Yeah, this was so one good. of those. So good. He was. He was yeah. great. Those and little claps. Yeah, come oh, on. This, he was legitimately is, terrifying. He added a, from like what I've read about the movie. He's he added a lot to the movie in terms of not just his acting prowess, but like what he suggested and what he improvised. So like the interrogation scene, one of the reason it's so incredible is because Heath Ledger begged Christian Bale and like worked out with Christian Bale to be like, listen, just hit me, throw me around. I'll be fine. And so like all those punches and him being thrown in the glass, that's fucking real. Like when he smashes him into the mirror, that really happened. And so it, feels so real yeah. <laughs> and then the scene in the hospital when uh joker is dressed as the nurse visiting harvey apparently he was doing something to get a rise out of the actor aaron eckhart. Uh, aaron eckhart yeah and he like actually grabbed his hand like a natural reaction aaron eckhart did and he's like that's that's good acting or something <laughs> like that and then they like kept it in the movie well, yeah another thing that trivia where like the button wasn't working it actually wasn't working yeah and that he he stuck with it and yeah. just kept going like I mean, that's like, brilliant <laughs> The movie is what it is well, because of and him. Like, and you did the claps. That was apparently improvised too. It all is he, so good. Yeah, that he did it off camera and they're all turning at him was like the genuine reaction. So then they just filmed him doing it again because they're like, oh my God, that was incredible. Because it's so, yeah. It is. He he is so good. Like this is a different joke. This is not Jack Nicholson's joke or anything. Right. Like, But this is so good on its own. Right, and it's it's just incredible. Like it's, and I could talk about this all day of just like the little stuff he adds. Like when he get when the truck eighteen wheeler flips over and he gets out and he's really distraught, or whatever, and he trips and he fires the gun off a couple times by accident. That was him. That wasn't supposed to be how it was. Like his little ticks too. Like it, it just sets the tone for the whole movie. But like him licking really his does. lips or something. Apparently there is some issue with the the uh, prosthetic right? and so like he just he kept licking his lips and then they he made it a tick like he's like i'm just gonna add this to the character it's it's brilliant have, have you guys heard the theory about the like it's a fan theory this has never been confirmed <laughs> or anything got of, me tinfoil on now well of the whole the his joker like his Heath ledger's joker's past okay is that he's a former uh military intelligence officer and that he was injured, or the no, the story <laughs> is that he was captured and uh, tortured or whatever, 
And so then they thought he was dead, and so he escaped, and that's why he became disillusioned by, like, how people are the way they are, and that's why he's, like, military... Like, he's tactically precise in his... Like, yeah, his planning. In, yeah, and his planning and everything with while allowing improvisation because he knows anything that can go wrong will go wrong, which is, like, a staple of military strategy. And then it's supposed to explain, like, his scars a little bit. It's supposed to explain... Like people harping on when he's doing the whole metaphor of everything going according to plan. He talks about yeah. when a bus full of soldiers explodes, nobody panics because everything's going according to plan. Yeah. And there's like a lot of other stuff in the movie apparently that hints towards it. Had you guys like heard that before? No. It's interesting the more I think about it. It's like I don't think he needs a backstory. I think Joker never needs a backstory. Like even in the killing joke, they have the, you know, the wizard himself had the forthright to write in the story because the whole story, John, is the Joker, quote unquote, telling his backstory. And even once he gets to the end of the backstory, he even confesses, kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit, that he tells himself different stuff all the time that he doesn't even know why he is the way he is. So literally the whole story he told you could be a lie. Which is what is portrayed in the right. movie. Yeah. Which is great. And that's, I love that, that he does the multiple stories to different people about as a, how he got his scars. As a character, the Joker is awesome. Yeah. Like I don't like DC generally, but like Batman and the Joker, I think are probably like top three relationships between a superhero and villain for me. And like the exactly. Joker's just awesome. And there's so many facets that you can have such a spectrum of interpretations. Not saying I like Jared Leto's as much, yeah. which is a little his too was, Heath Ledgery anyway. Yeah. His had good moments, but overall was bad. The, when you were talking about like him coming up with the stories and whatnot, I think it's, I think this is the first time I ever noticed it. A lot of the times when he's, especially when he does it to gamble, in the the first time he tells the story of the whole like my dad was a drinker <laughs> yeah as he tells each detail he looks like up into the left like he's thinking like literally he's making this up on the spot at least that's how i interpreted it this time once i noticed that he's not actually looking at him while he's telling the story and that added just like a level of like oh shit that's, yeah, awesome. that's also the cliche place you look when you're lying yeah is up into the is left up into the left it's mm. oof, i feel like we talked a solid 15 minutes about the Joker. No, but it's worth it. <laughs> it he, I mean, he, he is the reason I like this movie. movie. Like he, I'm, I said it five times already, but like, I'm, it's him. It like yeah. affected people too. Like it's yeah. so memorable and creepy and dark and, and I, twisted. I will say that I have a love hate relationship with this kind of thing, but I love that movies like this. So many comic book stores I went into afterwards where people, running in, buying Batman books, buying Batman single issues, trying to learn more about, which I'm totally for because I want the comic book industry to stay strong and keep doing stories and stuff. The backside of it is everyone reads these comics and is like, oh, this is nothing like The Dark Knight. And then they like give up on it or in which causes like DC to start writing it or like manipulating it to be more like the movies that are coming out. And it's this like vicious cycle of frustration to me. But I, I'm surprised how, how much of an impact this had culturally and i feel like i've ranted before with other people about the impact this movie had like the christopher nolism is what i would like to call it of just after dark knight everything had to be gritty yeah no yeah it it like in some for some things it worked others it didn't and it's just 
like uh, I, I think of the Arrow TV show that went on CW. A lot of the issues with that show are the fact that it's on CW. But the <laughs> self-explanatory. But the Green Arrow as a character is a really fun character because he's like Batman because he's a human that's trained himself to these peak levels to be able to fight crime. But what makes him really different is that he's kind of a wisecrack. He's, you know, sarcastic and he's like kind of lighthearted as a defense mechanism for how messed up he is. And the show went like Christopher Nolan, super dark, doesn't tell any jokes. He's killing people. It's like, uh, it's, I just don't like the ripple effect this had. And I don't blame Christopher Nolan. I blame everybody else trying to get on this, like, this theme. Yeah. And th- th- it works with Batman anyway, since he is like, a dark hero. Yeah. He does all his shit at night. Like, a lot of people don't do that. And he has to do that. And he gave, Christopher Nolan's Batman gave permission to everyone else to try a gritty version version and it didn't work for a lot of them like daredevil i think was awesome because yeah. he's already gritty but yeah. stuff well, like that because he's like batman yeah he's someone that's supposed to be in the dirt with the criminals he's not like above them shining a light to everybody else he's down in the mud so it, it works but like a good example of like it's one of the reasons why people people don't understand how Marvel's running away with the movies and DC's struggling with the movies. And a lot of it is the fact that Marvel saw everyone doing the gritty shit and realized, oh, I can make it real. Because that was the other side of this. This was real and gritty. Because most of this movie feels like it could happen. You know what I mean? So Iron Man felt real, but they didn't make it some dark, gritty shit. It had dark moments, but they made... Tony Stark be Tony Stark. They stayed true to the character. Robert Downey Jr. is perfect. Yeah. And so they just ran with that style. Every movie after that had realistic tendencies, which was good, but kept it light. It could be fun. Yeah. And which and I'm sometimes annoyed opposite. by Marvel's humor. Yeah. But it can be you, a have, hammy. you have the Thor Ragnarok, which is that whole movie, which really works for yeah. that. Um, so there's still a balance issue with like how real and funny can you be to like t- ease up on the tension, uh, but like they are so much better at it than whoever is telling the DC interpreters what yeah. to do. I feel like DC misread the theme and was like, we don't want it to be real, we just want it to be gritty, and so they just went that direction of not like, even gritty and good, <laughs> just gritty. <laughs> oh man, to to get back to this movie though. It's it's interesting how much of this movie, like when I really think about it, I think it harpens to what I was saying about it. It's not necessarily a Batman movie, is the fact that I feel like you could take Tom Cruise's character from Mission Impossible and almost have the exact same plot, like especially the Hong Kong when he kidnaps the guy from Hong Kong. Yeah, that's which I've is, seen that scene before. <laughs> it's an incredible scene. Like it's so cool. Him flying through the window, beating people up and then like escaping. Timing was perfect. Yeah. Like everything he did. Like that was awesome. But I was also like Ethan Hunt I think has done this in one of those movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that felt like a spy thriller that they just like attached Batman to. There were so many scenes in this movie that were so like the planning for whatever, like the Joker's plans or Batman's plans were like so well executed. It was just fun to watch it unfold. And oh yeah, it's like really fast paced, so it didn't feel like a really long movie. And the the Lucius Fox stuff though, and Wayne Enterprises that drama. Yeah, that slows, d- slows I, it down a bit. A ton. 
and really the only payoff is to have the guy realize he was wrong or something. Wait, are you talking about the the guy that tries to blackmail him? Yeah. Oh, Mr. Reese. Yeah, Mr. Apparently Reese. Apparently was a an allusion to a, a nod to the Riddler. Uh, mysteries. I wish they had done the Riddlers in this movie. I would have liked to have seen Christian Bale do World's Greatest Detective Batman and just see how that would have played out in a movie. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to show him. You just like have a hint of a riddle or something. Yeah. Like, you don't have to show all the villains you for it to still be exist. cool. Yeah. He left his calling card. It's a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to frame it with the what from the Joker. No, but Peter, you're right. It's so, like, the main scenes with Lucius Fox, besides the Hong Kong stuff in the beginning, yeah. is got you a new suit of armor. Um, here's the, a back computer I've made that will spy on all of Gotham. But I I'll, feel bad using it. I feel bad using it, and I'll destroy it once the mission's complete. Uh, but other than that, yeah, like, anytime they go to Wayne Enterprises, it slows it down quite a bit. Yeah. I guess it's to show that there's a threat of him being found out. I guess. I don't know. But when did Lucius figure out it was Bruce? He When does that happen? He knows in Batman Begins. begins. He, he does. He's because, yeah. The he, gear. Yeah, he gets the gear from Lucius. But I thought he made some comment about, in this movie, um, like all that like research. Like a submarine, Mr. Way. <laughs> a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh, but at the same time, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But what were you saying, John? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I, ju- I just thought he made some comment in this movie about the research and development area. Oh, like that, the, I'm playing it close to the vest on this one. Yeah. It was uh, it was just about that computer. He okay. just didn't want to tell Lucius that that's what he was doing because he knew Lucius would disagree with it. I couldn't remember exactly when Lucius finds out Yeah. Who he is. One thing I forgot until, it, which is so stupid because I've watched this movie like 30 times. On this viewing, though, it really struck me how much post like post nine eleven imagery is in this movie. Like it's crazy, it, and it I don't mean that in like it dates the movie. I just mean that it like for someone that like grew up surrounded by that imagery now, like it it still kind of resonates. Like the fire truck on fire, the when he's standing over the building after Rachel's blown up, and like you see the firefighters and then he's standing next to the scaffolding and really kind of just the whole plot is about dealing with terrorism. It, it's interesting how well that's handled to not be dated. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, which city Gotham did we say that this was? This is Chicago. This was Chicago's. This is Chicago Gotham. and a little bit of Detroit. And begins was begins was an actual made up Gotham, and then rises is New York. Yeah, got or uh, yeah, rises is like New York with a little bit of. They always throw in Detroit because Detroit's probably the closest analogy to a Gotham because it's dirty. Well, no, because it's oh. like it was an industrious city that then started to decline. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like kind of the Gotham dirty, <laughs> but it's turning around. It's turning around. Eight Mile. <laughs> Are you saying? Eminem's the Batman of Detroit. It follows. <laughs> Just movies in Detroit. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, I guess we can go ahead and move into how would you fix this? This is an interesting one of. How Wait, would can you we fix talk it? about Rachel? Oh, Do yeah, we, we like really Rachel? Rachel? I liked her as a character, and I actually i I hate the trope of a of a woman either being kidnapped or dying, motivating a hero. I do think in this one it's handled well because it's not about. 
it, it affects two people in two different ways. And it was just genuinely shocking because I did not expect her to die. So that was, that was a cool, I also really liked that, that, the twist Joker, yeah, the Joker told it. him where Dent was. Yeah, that was of Rachel. <laughs> Classic Joker. So I didn't like Rachel in this movie because she's just kind of whining a lot, and she's like, "I love Harvey, and I'm like with Harvey and all that stuff." And then, you know, she writes Bruce the note, and then Alfred's like, "I'm not gonna give that to him right now." And this seems like a bad time. when the time is right. Yeah. I hate that in movies. You'll yeah. know yeah. when the time is right. Well, she says uh, it's not sealed, which I like is a better way of saying that because it's implying he can read it and then he'll know when he should give it to him. But yeah, I I don't like that either. I just don't like her because it's just like it drove Harvey to being two-faced, which was annoying Mm -hmm. that he gave up his willpower and like his whole character in a moment. And then it affects Bruce because he's just all sad and mopey now. Like she would have... She was going to wait for me. Yeah. I was like, no, I mean, she wasn't. And like he... Bruce is weak in this movie to me, like pers- like a character trait or Well, I think that's I think that's the point cuz we didn't we haven't talked about Alfred at all and uh we're kind of running out of time, but uh I think that's one of the strongest parts of the movie too is Alfred in this movie is telling Bruce to be strong. He gives that whole speech of you need to endure. You created this symbol. Batman is built to take this. And Bruce is, like you said, being weak. And he's like, I don't know if I can. And Alfred's, you know, Alfred's trying to be that rock, which is what pisses me off in Rises. And I, we'll yeah. wait until we watch Your Rises. Your next pick. But, uh, John, what are your thoughts on Rachel? Um, I kind of liked Katie Holmes more. See, I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal was a better actress. actress. She was in the movie more than Katie Holmes was. That's true. Uh, I don't know. I just have never really liked Katie Holmes, to be honest. Maybe I'm partial towards her. I don't know why. Looks. I guess towards <laughs> her looks. That must be it. Uh, I don't know. She's got that Scientologist appeal. Yeah, the Rachel just, character was just an interesting addition to this whole Christopher Nolan's Batman mythos. Because it's a completely original character. So it's is, it is an interesting kind of like add-on. Like I, I sometimes wonder if it would have been better for her them to like replace her with like Vicky Vale or something like the reporter. I don't know because like I got what they were going for, which is they they needed a humanizing center for Bruce to like connect with. Yeah, I, th- I thought she was fine. It didn't take away from the movie. It didn't add to it. Just kind of neutral about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying. It's hard to think back about tropes, but again, like I said, you know, it's. I feel like now it's harder for me to move past that. Like anytime a girl is in a movie, it's sometimes like it, she will be used to motivate the male hero by either being kidnapped or dying. So everybody in the audience can relate. <laughs> Cause we all have women that are kidnapped and get murdered. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like, never mind. I'll stop. No, I'm I'll sure. stop there. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. I'm just like, and, uh, it, cast a wider net. Right. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. Who will like the movie? Uh, yeah, let's uh, move on, I guess, to how would you fix it. I feel like I should change. we should change the segment to how you would change it. That way it's not implying that every movie we're saying is bad and needs to be fixed. So I'll say, how would you change it, John? Oh, I didn't want to go first on this one. You know what I thought would have been interesting is if Gordon was portrayed more of how he was in the show Gotham. As more so, of a badass? 
Yeah, and like he's pretty badass in this, but I guess you're he right. Is, he's, but he's he's more of a big teddy bear in this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't I didn't dislike Gordon at all. Actually, he's a character I really like. And Girl. then I was thinking of like Barbara in the show as well. Who's just psycho, and then this Barbara is like oh, it's just a typical wife. mom. Um, but I don't think that's how I would change it. Um, and I don't know. I really, I really like this movie. Yeah. Um, no, it's a great movie. I can't think of anything that I would want to change. Hmm. Like it the way it is? I do. It was, it had an impact on me. It's funny that you, when you bring up the, the Gordon family, I, I laugh cause you're right. The wife in this is very like calm and the Gotham show. She's a psychopath like legitimately a psychopath. I, it made me laugh though. Cause when I was watching this, I thought about the fact they show both Gordon's kids, the daughter and the son. So the daughter becomes Batgirl in the comics and then the son becomes a serial killer. So when, you know, Harvey Dent's got the gun against the son, I'm kind of like, ah, this is the comics. You might be helping <laughs> us out here. Go, like, ahead, go ahead and take him out. Yeah. I'm not concerned about this kid right now. <laughs> he could save people. <laughs> Something that would have been interesting to see maybe is more of Maroney, like the organized crime aspect and like working with the Joker. I feel like we didn't see a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, a little bit, um, but I guess Joker kind of took over all of his men. Um, but it would have been interesting to see how they played off of each other, Maroney and Joker. That's a good call. Yeah, I agree with that. That definitely is something that would have been more interesting, their whole dynamic. Uh, Peter, what about you? I'm trying to think of time that you could carve out to allow a because de- I want Harvey Dent to be developed a little more, more his fall, because um, it was just so 180. Well, it was, and there's really only one scene where it hints at his darker side, which is the when he kidnaps the guy after Gordon's shot, and it's the whole he plays with the coin and plays Russian roulette with the criminal guy who looks way too much like the actor who plays Scarecrow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, did. cast somebody different. Cause <laughs> even that confused me for a second. I was like, wait, what? That oh, whole, no, that's not him. <laughs> that whole marching, the mayor being shot at scene was great. Was yes. cool. I loved that. That scene. is a great scene, yeah. but I just, yeah, I want Harvey Dent to be developed more without taking time away from Heath Ledger, but you can't make it a three hour movie. Well, yeah, it's, I think where you could carve out sometimes... Lucius? Well, not Lucius. I would even say the whole Lao kidnapping in Hong Kong. Yeah. Like, while that is cool, it really doesn't add that much to the plot. Like, I almost would have preferred some, like, super badass contingency Batman plan moment where it's, you know, after the video thing, it's him thinking he's going to get out of town and Batman's on the runway. Like you see the tumbler just pull out on the runway and take the plane out and then grab him out of the plane. That's like two minutes instead of the like 30 minutes it takes to set up all that. You know what I mean? Like it'd have been incredible. Like he stopped him before he left Gotham kind of thing. And it'd be crazy to have a Batman movie splitting so much time with the other people and the, like the other story arcs. Mm -hmm. Cause he, he is more of a supporting character. It's not a, Batman movie to me as much. Yeah, it's interesting. It really isn't like the the more you were talking about the Joker earlier, it really kind of dawned on me. This isn't like it's called the Dark Knight, but it's really about Joker. It's really a more about the villains. Like I forgot what comic it is, but they should have used that for the this tagline, which is uh, "You'll be defined by your enemies." 
because that's one of my favorite Batman covers. It shows like the whole rogue gallery on wanted posters, and it's Batman walking by it, and it just says that the, you'll that's be defined awesome. by your enemies. And so, like, that's what this movie is. Yeah, because that's what defines him. Uh, yeah, it's not who he is underneath. What I do to defense me, Bruce. <laughs> There's too many people that figure out it's Batman that qu- like Bruce. <laughs> Okay, so I talked a little bit how I would change it. My biggest gripe would be the whole, what I was saying about the ending. I I think it shouldn't have been Batman taking on the responsibility of I killed those people. It should have been an encouraging, like, we lost this time. We can't give up, though. We have to save Gotham. I'm not going to quit. You're not going to quit. Let's go out there, fight crime. <laughs> Freeze frame, high five with Gordon and Exactly. Uh, another... Like a couple other stuff, I just feel like I'll, I agree with a lot with, with what you guys were saying of just maybe cutting out the few time, to- like a little bit of time. Uh, I definitely think Harvey should have been developed a little bit more. And then it's hard for me to separate a lot of what I would change about this movie because this movie, if this movie was the only Batman movie Christopher Nolan made, I wouldn't change a thing. Well, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing because self-contained story, it's brilliant. It's amazing because that ending of him riding off off the ramp and it's, you know, Gordon's giving the speech about like he's not the hero. Uh, we Wait, I'm going to mess it up. It's not the hero we need or not the one that we deserve, but it's the one we need or something like that whole speech is awesome. Did I flip it, John? You I, were giving me uh, the weird eyes. I was thinking. But you know everything. what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. whole speech. <laughs> Like, that's awesome, and it leaves an ending where you don't know, like, you can kind of come up with your own thing of, like, what's going to go on from that point, and uh, it's awesome, but I keep thinking about Dark Knight Rises, and so much of that seems, it's just so frustrating that there are things in this movie that should have been added in this movie if they were going to do that shit in Dark Knight Rises, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, it's what I talked about... I can't remember if it's when we were recording or if this was behind the scenes conversation of I just don't understand why movies aren't at the same level as literary authors of planning. Like if you're going to do a trilogy, plan that shit out, communicate. If you're going to have things cross over, plan it out. It doesn't have to be like over the head, like smack you in the face, but like just plan it out. Like the Miranda Tate that's added in Dark Knight Rises you know how easy it would have been to have her introduced in the Wayne Enterprises scene as yeah. just a new member of the board and maybe kind of like a, not a love triangle, but like a hint of, you know, oh, if I can't have Rachel, this girl's pretty right here. You know what I mean? Like a another avenue for that. If you're going to do Robin, you could have added this or you could have added him begins. There are plenty just, of times for Robin. Yeah. Didn't you not, just say you didn't want every time there was a woman in the movie for the man to be motivated by that though? No, well, not by her being kidnapped or murdered. Mm. Miranda Tate's different, who, who ends up being Talia. All I'm getting at is like <laughs> this movie, I don't think I would make that much changes if it was by itself. Yeah. But because there's a trilogy and the one after this adds random shit into it that should have been added prior for that one to make sense that's the stuff I would change. Like, I feel like I'll go into more detail when we do rises, but like the Robin situation, you know how easy it would have been to, you know, that this opening with Batman where we're talking, we were talking about the copycats. 
What if when he does that, they think it's Batman and it's some kid and he's looking for, because the the mob boss that is in that scene is the mob boss in the comics that killed Robin's parents. So what if Robin's there hunting him down? And so then when Bruce comes in and does all that, he finds out about that kid and you go through the whole Robin steps. And then you just have that kid in the background most of the movie, like helping out here or there. He doesn't have to be a big part yet. He can just kind of be there and almost kind of like a foil to Batman. Maybe since Bruce is trying to get out of the game, he doesn't want this kid to help him, but the kid keeps helping him. You know what I mean? Maybe Bruce goes to the circus and sees him there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but Post-circus life, bro. Post-circus life. But... uh you know what I mean? Like you can do so many cool things because like he got a new suit of armor with all the new pieces. You could just have Robin put together a suit out of the remaining Batman parts. You know what I mean? Like just add that in there and then he's there for Dark Knight Rises. It doesn't have to be some last minute Joseph Gordon-Levitt like, oh, my middle name's Robin. Yeah, you should go oh, by your... Fuck v- off. <laughs> yeah, your fir- you should go by your real name or your first... Because it's his first name oh, or yeah, whatever. Robin. Like, I wanted to die. Uh, I made an audible we noise. Were, yeah. I was wearing. I was wearing a Robin T-shirt, and you were embarrassed. I was mad. (laughs) But again, that's that movie, and I'll save a lot of that to be continued. My blood pressure is actually rising. (laughs) (laughs) Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. Blood pressure rising. Is this one of the better sequels of all time? Do you think? Yeah, I would argue. Oh, for sure. Especially out of trilogies, because it's usually the second movie that drags. Yeah, I would argue this is a Empire Strikes Back situation. Actually, it's pretty much exactly like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a it's a ends on a downer with hope still kind of in the distance. Hope. A final a new hope. <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. This is definitely one of those that you can argue sequel better than the original. And I love Batman Begins. Uh I, I you know, I love this movie too. I just I would honestly put this in top fifteen. Top 15 for me overall movies. I would have thought it would have been higher for you. I think it is, but I don't want to put <laughs> up a, I don't want to put a number on yeah, it and yet. then really think about it and be like, "Oh, well shit. Goodfellas. I don't want to bump that out of the top 5 I and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? 11. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say top 10 and then be like, "Oh, no. Well, I got to move stuff. Oh, technically it's 11." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to say safe safe 15. <laughs> <laughs> We're all keeping track of your weekly list that you <laughs> announce, so careful. Any final thoughts? Uh, it's good. Well, yeah, it's definitely worth your free time. Worth your free two time. And a half hours. Critique, yeah. It's good. For sure. And it's really not a... Usually dark movies kind of leave you in a bad mood afterwards or like introspective. This doesn't. This like kind of gets me hyped. This yeah. is a pumped up... I know you hate Hans Zimmer, Peter, but I'm so glad you didn't take bring it up, but then you brought it up. I'm sorry. He's I know you terrible. I love the soundtrack to this movie though. It's so epic. It's the same soundtrack and begins. Parts of it are in Gladiator, parts of it are in Prince of Egypt. Is that a bad thing? It you works? cannot tell me during we didn't talk about one of the best scenes in the whole movie, which is the road chase scene. Like when <laughs> when uh Harvey yeah, Dent's being yeah. transferred and that scene pumps me up. Are you kidding? The soundtrack to that is incredible. I was right there with them. So, okay. It works. <laughs> okay. I just don't like it. <laughs> you watch Inception. We had a lot of the same <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. It's just Dark Knight uh, a little bit on steroids. A lot of the similar sound. We just kind of like contorted a little bit here or there. I just, I don't like the guy. 
He copy pastas himself all over the place. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I think maybe like four original tracks to his name, and he just like does audibles on them. Control C, Control V. Yeah. The vein uh, in Peter's neck is pulsating. <laughs> when people when people <laughs> tell me they love soundtracks, and I'm like, "Who's your favorite composer?" and they're like, "God, I think I really love Hans Zimmer." I have to end the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of Peter like being at a party and be like, "Oh, you like composers? Who's your favorite? Hans Zimmer? I gotta go home. <laughs> I I just don't want to. I just don't want this to end. What could you possibly? Because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I used to like Hans Zimmer. I, I used to do the thing where I would read books to soundtracks, and I would listen to a lot of Hans Zimmer, and it was. By listening to a lot of Hans Zimmer out of the context of the movies that I put it together that it's very easy to get them confused sometimes. What am I listening to? Pirates of the Caribbean? Batman Begins? I don't know. <laughs> Would you equate Hans Zimmer with Jimmy World being your favorite band? <laughs> yeah. So you're not allowed to say Hans Zimmer's your favorite composer. You're not allowed to say Jimmy World is your favorite band. You I love Jimmy Of all time. Yeah, of all time. You can't do it. You can say you love them. You can like them. Everyone's yeah. free to have their own opinion. Saying it's your favorite of all time is a sin. Though. Yeah, I just <laughs> it just takes some time. Oh god, god. you're in the middle. Yeah, so don't Hans Zimmer. That's done. We've touched it. It's over. We touched it. It'll, it's a, it'll come back. I'm just thinking about. Uh, I watched his uh, his masterclass preview. Yeah, and it's so funny. It's like music is a is a story, and he's like hits a note. He's like, oh, it's a sad story. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's that's a good note to end on. Uh, <laughs> no, <That's> nice. Flat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rory can reach us at uh, TMFT Podcast or uh, TMFT Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you agree with what we said about this movie. If you hate Dark Knight, let us know. Or Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Leave Hans Zimmer out of this, Peter. <laughs> But just let us know. Let us know if you're liking this new format, uh, if you like the more freestyle of it, or if you want us to go back to minute by minute. Just let us know. Uh, Peter, it's your pick next week. Do you have one picked? I was thinking about it, and then you mentioned Hans Zimmer. Literally everything's out of my mind right now. <laughs> I broke you by I'm having a Hans hard time. Zimmer. You need to like see somebody about that. I He's just, not that I bad. didn't expect to talk about him, and now all my thoughts just <laughs> rise into the surface. So you haven't picked a movie yet. I did, and then I don't know anymore. Kick-Ass, I think, will be one that I like. Okay. Uh, that's it's, the potential one I like, for sure. Oh, didn't you say you wanted to do the Punisher, the Tom Jane Punisher? That, yes. I think that's the one I hate. Okay, do you want to do that next? Yeah, let's wanna... do that. Okay. Punisher. So look out for Punisher with Tom Jane next, <laughs> uh, next week. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's so bad. Shoot me. Val Kilmer's not in that. Who's the guy? John Travolta? John Travolta. God. They, okay, look. Easy look, look, mistake. Look, look, look. Easy it mistake. is 15 years ago. They have some very similar looking costumes. Body Imagine type. if yeah. John Travolta was Batman. They're interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I had Val. That's He's in another good. bad movie. Uh, okay. So look forward to Thomas Jane's Punisher uh, oh, next man. time. And uh, you'll definitely get <laughs> our opinion on it. <laughs> you guys have a good week. Bye. <laughs> You know, it's funny, I've actually seen that.